Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. Alright, so here's the idea. Here's the pitch. It's called Last Pod Tonight. And it's a podcast, hear me out, where every week the host gets disgruntled and quits the show. <laughs> every single week. You like it? Love it. Uh, but in all seriousness, this is the end of an era. After four and a half years, <clears throat> 10 seasons, 240 episodes, plus some minis, some road trips, some shenanigans, this will be my last episode as the host of Cinema Chop Shop. So I want to thank you guys for everything that we've uh, accomplished, and thank you to you, the Chop Shoppers out there. And I, it's my understanding that you guys will take a hiatus and then regroup, and we'll see what new things happen from there, right? Something will come out the other end. <laughs> As it always does. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to Season 10, Episode 24, the season finale of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... A League Trav Their Own, a.k.a. The People Traverses Larry Flint, uh-huh. a.k.a. Rio Travo. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say your nicknames, but I want you to try to guess which uh, figure I'm, I'm well, referencing. guess mine. Uh, Rio, Rio Bravo would be Roy, I don't know. Who, Dean Martin. Dean Martin. Okay. And what was People, the, People versus Larry Flint. Is Woody Harrelson and, oh, oh, um, she's the the murderer of Kurt it. Cobain, Courtney Love. <laughs> Courtney Love. And, of course, League of Their Own. Is Madonna. There you go. All right. And I'm joined here in the Chop Shop by my co-host and co-producer, a Sean is born. Uh, Lady Gaga. Could be. Or Chris Christopherson. Uh-huh. Or, or Barbara Streisand. Or... The original. There's a, there's a bunch of them. Uh, A.K.A. Sean Kirk. Oh. <gasps> I know. Who is it? Harry Styles. Harry Styles. A.K.A. This one's not really, you can't really guess. Be Sean Say. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. And in our third seat, the Chop Shop regulator, Chell L. Cool J. Yes. A.K.A. Chell Silkwood. A.K.A. The So Chell Network. Nice. So, Chell Silkwood. I don't know that Cher. one. Share. Okay. And then the social network. JT. JT. And the uh, listeners couldn't see it, but when you said Chell L. Cool J, she was licking her lips. Uh huh. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Ladies love cool Chelsea. Uh, the tagline Hell at the top yeah. says, "Watch chop retrofit," because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic <laughs> actors. And then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel dependent cinematic culture. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes and and sometimes we, we make su- that transition smoothly. <laughs> and sometimes we succeed. Uh, so that's going to bring us into our first segment, uh, which is going to be movie news. And uh, this week, we do have one RIP to report on. Rest in peace and rest in power to Jacques Perrin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He was the star of Cinema Paradiso. And Chelsea, you're a fan of the film? I love that film. He was also in the movie Z 
French film Z. Uh, he died at the age of 80 at his home in Paris. No cause of death was specified. He died of a good run. Next, what the fuck? Bill Murray under investigation for inappropriate behavior on a film set. What's, who's next? Tom Hanks? <laughs> I don't know. Hasn't there always sort of been rumors about this? I don't know. I think has there, there has. I mean, he's always kind of been a, you know, a renegade. A rascal. <laughs> so this information comes to us from the New York Post. Filming of the 71-year-old SNL Legends upcoming movie, Being Mortal, has been suspended after a complaint was reportedly filed specifically against the actor, alleging inappropriate behavior. I mean, that could be anything. That could be he brought a rubber chicken to the set. Uh, principal mm -hmm. photography began last month on Being Mortal, which was written by controversial comedian Aziz Ansari, who is also directing and co-starring in the film alongside Seth Rogen. Ansari and Rogen are reportedly not part of the investigation. I hope that Bill Murray doesn't get canceled, because otherwise, what are we doing? <laughs> Uh, next, Andy Serkis to direct an animated adaptation of Animal Farm for Cinesite. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was already an animated yes. version of mm -hmm. Animal Farm, correct? Yeah. Uh, but to get Andy Serkis behind it, I think that's a, if they're going to do a remake of that and they're going to have somebody direct it, I think that Andy Serkis is a pretty good choice. The Batman star, Andy Serkis. <laughs> is set to direct an animated adaptation of George Orwell's classic novel, Animal Farm. Circus is directing the feature at animation and VFX studio Cinesite, who also did Riverdance, the animated feature. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from a screenplay by Nick Stoller, who did Storks and Captain Underpants. That comes to us from Variety. Uh, and then finally, in movie news this week, Martin Scorsese's Film Foundation launches a free virtual screening room for restorations. I think this is really cool. Martin Scorsese's nonprofit, The Film Foundation, is officially launching a free virtual screening room to showcase film restorations. The Film Foundation Restoration Screening Room, which will showcase both foundation restorations as well as those from partners, will launch on Monday, May 9th. Michael Powell and Emmerich... Pressburger's 1945 romantic comedy, I Know Where I'm Going, will be the first feature in that virtual screening room. What do you guys think about that? I think it's great. Anybody who's preserving old film is tops in my book. Chelsea? I think it's cool. I think it's um, also interesting because um, in the past year, didn't he kind of have a position about streaming services versus theaters yeah. oh yeah yeah and that, now he's yeah. gonna have his own virtual he has cinema. an opinion about well, marvel movies too listen <laughs> if you can't beat them join them there you can't go. beat them join them and that is going to wrap us up on movie news for this week you guys hear a phone ringing that must mean it's time for the department of corrections department with chief corrections officer dana Hey there, Chop Shoppers! It's your girl DOC Dana here with another round of quick bits and hot hits. Travis, you're right. Dolly Parton is sitting on a pumpkin in the Straight Talk poster as an allusion to Cinderella. Suzanne Summers didn't pose naked in Playboy, but she wants to. Chelsea is correct, too. Dummy was on Quibi. Regarding the title American Graffiti, George Lucas cited that, quote, graffiti is an Italian word, meaning any drawing or inscription on walls, 
glib, funny, immediate, end quote. Maybe giving it that title was his way of summing up all the characters' attempts to make their mark on society in their own way. A couple of fun facts. My mom won a Laserdisc player as part of a radio promo that involved an anniversary viewing of American Graffiti. The prize also included the film on Laserdisc. And I interned at a radio conglomerate in college. I did a couple of traffic reports on air, but I never was an on-air DJ. But they wanted me to. All right, cats and kitten, that'll wrap it up for this week. Catch you on the flip side. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that and for all of your hard work. And that will close the doors on the Department of Corrections for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode. This is another one of Sean's suggestions. That's at a windowless van on Twitter (laughs) for your compliments. Theme of the episode is musicians breaking into film. And I have to agree. It's amazing we haven't done this theme over the years. Uh, so I've got a quick blurb here from ScreenRant.com about an. This is the intro to an article they did about the, I guess, top ten or top twenty-five musicians who have broken into film. Uh, ScreenRant says the music and film industries often cross over, with leading talent lending their vocal skills to the soundtrack of a big blockbuster experience or small indie hits. However, there are multiple examples of musicians taking their passion for Hollywood further and actually starring in a movie or TV show, flexing their acting abilities. While the transition isn't always a smooth one, there's plenty of instances where huge music names have managed to make a successful jump into the land of live action or animated entertainment. Whether it's in a musical role or in a complete departure from the types of projects they usually work on, plenty of singers have made a successful career from film. Um, thoughts on this idea? There's so many to, to to look at, and you can go down the path of the successes, and then you can definitely look at the failures. Right. Um, people like Madonna mm-hmm. has, has done Cher, Cher, Barbara Streisand, very very well, very successful in in acting. Justin Timberlake being one who seems to be very comfortable. In Jack front Nicholson, of Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> but then you've got the Britney Spears failures hey no we we leave britney out of this well, the, <laughs> well the, the no we leave her is, out of it is at a crossroads mm-hmm. and then a lot of times they were shoehorned in by by the record companies uh-huh. as well a la the village people movie that we watched oh god the okay now correct me if i'm wrong wasn't there a village a movie with the village people that was about the beatles or am I thinking of something You're else? thinking of Sgt. Peppers, which was with the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees. I will forever confuse them. So, yeah, there's a lot to look at in this in this uh, topic. Uh-huh. And uh, you, can, you can kind of, again, successes, failures. Some people are good at it. Some people are bad at it. And uh, I think it gets brushed off because when they're bad, they're so bad that the right. whole genre just sort of becomes a joke. It, but there right. really it are a lot of good up ones. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the David Bowie had a really good career in film, mm-hmm. and, and we'll we'll talk about one of those iconic tonight. roles for him, and uh, many others just like him. All right. So that being said, we're going to roll into our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each suggest two films that we feel would be appropriate for a double feature or a pairing for public exhibition. And uh, Sean, do you want to go first with yours or Chelsea? You ready with yours? I'm ready with mine. All right, go for it. So I'm doing a battle of the pop ladies from the late 90s, early 2000s. One being example of 
somebody who is not successful as acting. Mm-hmm. The other one being someone who is very successful at acting. Okay. So my first one is the bad one. And it's from 2010. It's Burlesque. Burlesque with Christina Aguilera. And Cher. But and Cher's Cher. not... She's sort of unassuming in this. Okay. Christina Aguilera is just not good. Okay. She tries to come across as innocent. And this is on the heels of that whole like dirty album. And it's like, yes. we saw you like humping a boxing ring. No, we don't yes. buy you as innocent. She just wasn't very good. Gotcha. And I'm pairing that with 2004's Saved. Yes. Mandy Moore. With Mandy Moore. Um, Who's great as an actress. She, I didn't realize she was funny until this movie. Yeah. She had that terrible Nicholas Sparks one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she wasn't bad in it. Is that a walk it. to remember? Yeah. She wasn't bad in it. It was just a shitty, shitty writing. Yeah. And of course, uh, listeners will know her from her current role on This Is Us, or is that series ended? It just ended. Just up. ended. So like by the time this goes kerplunk, she'll be <laughs> on to something new. And over to you, Sean. What have you got for a double feature? Well, pivoting off of what Chelsea said about the, the, the 90s pop starlets, I'm going with two pop stars from the 80s who were pretty much at the height mm-hmm. of their powers when they were casting these films. I'm leading it off with Madonna's first feature role granted she was in uh vision quest as a lounge singer but this is her first speaking role it was desperately seeking susan yes from 1985 directed by uh susan seidelman who did smithereens great great indie film okay uh she devil oh i know she (laughs) and she also directed uh, a lot of episodes of sex in the city gotcha it it stars rosanna arquette madonna and aiden quinn yes uh Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 84% uh, critic score, 62% audience score. I saw this in the movie theaters. Yeah, I remember this. I was expecting a lot more Madonna and a lot more sexiness. There's none of that. New Jersey housewife Roberta Glass, played by Roseanne Arquette. She spices up her boring life by following the antics of a very popular uh, New Yorker uh, named Susan. Uh, she places uh, personal ads uh, proposing a rendezvous with her her suitor. And so Roberta kind of follows along and somehow through some happenstance, very Shakespearean style, she loses her memory and gets confused as Susan. Yes. Um, so we've got a um, amnesia switcheroo. Yep, 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 totally. And this was well received. I didn't care for it at the time, um, but you know, it did launch her career, and she's had many, you know, very well received roles throughout uh, Dick Tracy, uh, Evita, yes. League of Their Own. So I'm following that up with 1988's Vibes. Vibes. And I've talked about this before. Um, this is directed by Ken Quapis. Um, he did a lot of television. Um, he said, she said, Malcolm in the Middle, The Office, One Mississippi, Santa Clarita Diet, and Space Force. What was his name again? Uh, Ken Quapis. Oh, he was the little alien inside the chest of that <laughs> dude in Total Recall. <laughs> it stars Cindy Lauper, Jeff Goldblum, Julian Sands, and Peter Falk. Uh-huh. Rotten Tomatoes has a 14% uh, 14% critic score, 61% audience score. Psychics uh, Nick and Sylvia are tricked into flying to Ecuador to find a fabled city of gold. My review at the time, uh, it was for our Women Who Kick Ass episode. Yes. I said, with a great cast like this, it's bound to be a hit, right? Um, It wasn't as bad as I was led to believe Cindy Lauper was absolutely adorable. I love Cindy Lauper. I still do. Oh, same. 
All right, thank you for that, guys. Uh, mine is going to be an ice cold transition from the hip hop scene into the world of film. And the first one is called Boys in the Hood, which I was surprised was not spelled T H A. I had I got autocorrected a couple times. I thought it would be Boys in the Hood. Uh, directed by John Singleton, who also did Four Brothers, Higher Learning, and Poetic Justice. We got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this stars in not the very lead role, but a strong supporting role, Ice Cube. And so Trey, played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Whoa, Ice Cuba Gooding Jr., is sent to live with his father, Furious Styles, played by Larry Fr Larry Fishburne. And, you know, don't let his name fool you. He's calm, he's cool, he's collected. Furious Styles in tough South Central Los Angeles. Although his hard-nosed father instills proper values and respect in him, and his devout girlfriend, Brandy, played by Naya Long, teaches him about faith, Trey's friends, Doughboy, played by Ice Cube, Ricky, played by Morris Chestnut, don't have the same kind of support and are drawn into the neighborhood's booming drug and gang culture and increasingly tragic results. Then I'm going from the west side to the east side with another film from 1991 that we've talked about here on the show called New Jack City. This was directed by Mario Van Peebles, uh, son of Melvin Van Peebles. Also, uh, he's directed a few films and starred in a few as well. Uh, he directed Panther. It was a Black Panther drama. He directed Gang in Blue, which I ass assume is about the police. And then a movie called Hard Luck. This one has a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Drug tycoon Nino Brown, played by Wesley Snipes, and his minions, known collectively as the Cash Money Brotherhood, have rapidly risen to the top of the New York City narcotics trade. Under Nino's heartless leadership, the drug operation has grown into a multi-million dollar empire. Scotty, played by Ice-T, and Nick, played by Judd Nelson, two police officers who know their way around the streets of Harlem, aim to bring Nino and his cohorts down. To do so, though, they'll have to play by Nino's rules and go undercover. So both of these films star figures who cut their teeth in the world of hip-hop and then made the jump over to the big screen. Neither of them, this was their first film. Um, I think it's around the third one for both of them. They both have ice as the first part of their name. They both came out in 1991. And they're also, uh, it's kind of an East Coast, West Coast battle double feature. And uh, they're both about the impact of uh, narcotics on the African-American community and in, in the inner cities, especially. So that's going to be my double feature any final thoughts? I would recommend both of these. I recommend both of mine for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I would just recommend one of mine, Saved. Okay. Saved. Okay. And not Burlesque? No. Okay. <clears throat> All right. That's going to bring us to our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we take a film that we have all watched in advance, and we talk about it a little bit, and then we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles with contemporary actors who are at the height of their powers. And the first one is going to be The Man Who Fell to Earth from 1976, directed by Nicholas Rogue. Would you say Rogue or Reg? R-O-E-G. Rogue? Rogue? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, road rig. Yeah. Um, you can get arrested for road rig. Um, <laughs> it's got an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Uh, had you guys watched this movie prior to preparing for this episode? I've seen this several years ago, so uh-huh. I'm probably the rustiest of us. So it's been several years for me as well, because right when he died, right when David Bowie died, oh. that is. Oh. Sorry, I didn't bury the lead very well. No. Uh, we did a double feature in my backyard of David Bowie movies, and we watched this and Labyrinth. Labyrinth, yeah. Um, and I feel like this is prior to Scary Movie Night. Chelsea. I just watched it yeah. today. Um, I'd never seen it before. Uh-huh. And how did you feel? Um, I liked it. Uh-huh. There, the director, Sean and I got into this discussion about um, show it, don't say it. Which okay. This film does a lot of it. Yeah. And it's sort of left to the viewer to draw their own conclusions. Sure. It's strange. Don't get me wrong. It is. But it, it's kind of fun to let your imagination run wild with the story a little bit. I found that part really, really fun. I'll tell you one thing that I uh, didn't expect to have happen is to have um, naked David Bowie projected on the back of my house for everybody on Second Loop Road to right. see as they drive That's by. Awesome! There was so much nudity and sex Indeed. in this. All right. So the the premise of the film, Thomas Jerome Newton, David Bowie, is an alien who has come to Earth. And this kind of plays into the multiple sci-fi personas that David Bowie incorporated throughout his career. Uh, In search of water to save his home planet, aided by lawyer Oliver Farnsworth, played by Buck Henry, Thomas uses his knowledge of advanced technology to create profitable inventions. While developing a method to transport water, Thomas meets Mary Lou, played by Candy Clark, a quiet hotel clerk, and begins to fall in love with her. Just as he is ready to leave Earth, Thomas is intercepted by the U.S. government, and his entire plan is threatened. Uh, So there's obvious political metaphors. Um, Then there's also, I mean, David Bowie obviously was uh, kind of gender-bending. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that comes across a lot in this, some of the androgyny of, of his, his performance. So the roles that we're going to recast first, we've got Thomas, Thomas Jerome Newton played by a 29 year old David Bowie. Do I have that age? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then we've got, uh, Nathan price, Dr. Nathan price played by rip torn. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Uh, who was only 45 at the time, which is incredibly young for Rip Torn. And then we've got Oliver V. Farnsworth, played by Buck Henry. Now, Buck Henry has some writing credits in terms of movies. Was he also not a longtime contributor on SNL? Yes. And he passed away not too long ago. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he is an attorney in this situation who's trying to help uh, Thomas, correct? Yes. Yes. And then finally, we've got Mary Lou, the love interest played by Candy Clark, who was 29 at the time as well. All right. All that being said, are we ready to recast? Yeah. Yes. Chelsea, who have you got for Thomas? All right. I had a hard time recasting David Bowie because I love him Uh so much. So I have two. Like, I want to combine these two actors together. An amalgamation. Well, there's different reasons. So David Bowie has that... androgynous look yep there is another musician turned actor who kind of does the same thing but not as alien looking 
Um, I went with Harry Styles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. So who I want Harry Styles to combine with is an actor from American Horror Story who also has this androgynous look, Mm -hmm. but is very, very striking, like does have that alien look. Zachary Quinto? No, I went with a Cody Fern. So if you watch like the the Coven one, yeah, the one where they're the vampires, he's like the one with the longer hair, the, okay. the blonde, sexy one. Okay, I think I can picture him. But he's very alien looking. So if they had a baby and yes. it fell to Earth, that would be Thomas in this recap. Yes, because I, I can't like find it. somebody that fits the bill all the way. Good deal. Over to you, Sean. Who you got for all Thomas? Right. All of my picks tonight are themed. They're all musicians. So I did that a couple times, but it's not across the board. It's but across good the on board you, man. for me. So for my David Bowie recast, I went with a 39-year-old musician. Can be seen in episodes of Portlandia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film The Nowhere Inn. And yeah. lots and lots of uh, music videos. I went with St. Vincent. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought you were just going to go Carrie Brownstein. No, St. Vincent is awesome. And I can see that kind of um, alien-esque quality about yeah. her. Uh, the album that she did with uh, Byrne. Yeah, with David Byrne. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, my actor is um, fresh off of some success in this past year in film. Uh, he's been in a few things. I didn't do any any credits, but I think that it speaks for itself. Cody Smith McPhee is going to be the man who fell to earth. Nice. Okay. I like it. And next up, we've got the role portrayed by Rip Torn. It was Dr. Nathan Bryce. And uh, Chelsea, since I think you've seen this the most recently, is he... What is his role in terms of the interactions with the man who fell to earth? So he starts out as a chemistry professor Uh who just like fucks all his students. Oh. So anyways, he is doing this because he's not being stimulated at work. Mm -hmm. Um, He fights with his boss a lot and he always kind of want to one up him a little bit. Mm hmm. He's getting pissed off because the opinions and the value of human life is sort of being put into computers. And his boss calls him in and is said, like, oh, your classes are at the bottom. The computer said so. And he's like, fuck these computers. Yeah. Like, fuck you. So he goes to work for the company that David Bowie has created. Gotcha. The the technology company. And all of a sudden, he's like, I'm not interested in these 18-year-olds anymore. I have been sparked again to do science, and yes. I'm fulfilled, he's and it's inspired. fun. Yes. Okay, I gotcha. And so all of that being said, who did you think would be good in the recast of this? So one specific role made me think of this actor, and it's Don't Look Up. Yeah. I went with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. I thought he was great in it. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you yeah, can yeah, do yeah. this because you have that Playboy vibe. And, yeah. And there's a, a point in the movie where his his uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character that is in Don't Look Up takes a turn, yes. as they say. Over to you, Sean. Who's your Nathan Bryce? I'm with a 44-year-old uh, musician from Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Um, he was in a few episodes of American Gangster Trap Queens. He was also in I Got the Hookup 2. Oh, God. And he is the uh, the leader of the Southern hip-hop group United Streets Dope Boys of America with Jeezy. Jeezy. Yeah, Jeezy. okay. Young Jeezy. He was known as Young Jeezy when he was younger. Younger. Okay. Interesting. 
my actor is 45 now. I mostly went on faith <clears throat> face value, not faith value. <laughs> um, faith and values. Uh, and he's on Mythic Quest and Always Sunny in Philadelphia. His name's Rob McKelney. Rob nice. McKelney is going to be okay. my like Dr. Nathan. Next up, we've got Buck Henry playing Oliver V. Farnsworth, the attorney. 46 at the time. We've already mentioned he is an attorney. Chelsea, who is your recast for this? So this guy, I don't know. He's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Well, the Coke bottle glasses. Bit, yeah, a little bit sort of uptight, which mm -hmm. immediately makes me think of somebody from England, unfortunately, because they're uptight and prudish just as a generalization, not mm -hmm. everybody. So I want Jude Law. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's going to be good. I like it. Uh, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to nerd it up a little bit. Yeah, but I think he can now in his yeah, older course, age. Of course. Sean, who you got? You're gonna love this one. My actor is from Florence, South Carolina. What? Oh, he, That's where we are. He is 47 years old. Soon. Um, he can be seen in uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. As Black Jerry Seinfeld. Wow. Oh, God. He can be seen in several episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race. I went with Dwayne Cooper. I am not familiar with Dwayne Cooper. Me neither. Did he also play Black Jerry Seinfeld on RuPaul's Drag Race? No, his his uh, stage name is uh, Milan. Okay. And uh, Hillary would be able to educate us on that. Indeed. But uh, yeah, he's been in Broadway, uh, the cast of Hairspray, uh, Motown the Musical, uh, yeah, um, that's my guy. All right. My actor is in Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2 and Superbad. He's 32 now. His name is Christopher Mintz-Plasse. Nice. Christopher Mintz-Plasse. McLovin. I'm McLovin' it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Next up, we've got Mary Lou. Played by Candy Clark, who was 29 at the time. Chelsea? So she starts out having like a certain naivety about her. Mm -hmm. And she's just super sweet and super cute. And my heart breaks for her. And I wanted somebody who could sort of embody that. So, right. Um, my actress, the reason I think of her is from the TV show Vinyl. I went with Juno Temple. I like Gina great Temple. choice. Yeah, great choice. I think she's good in almost everything I've seen her do. Right. Yeah, that's excellent. All right, over to you, Sean. Who is your Mary Lou? All right, my musician's twenty-nine years old. She has a pretty decent acting repertoire. Uh, she was in Spring Breakers. Mm-hmm. She was in Hotel Transylvania. I know who it is. She was in Getaway. She was in Monte Carlo. I went with Selena Gomez. There you mm -hmm. go. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. My pick for Melly, I'm sorry, Mary Lou, is Millie Brady. Millie Brady is 28 years old. I'll show you her picture. It is a face value pick slash age range pick. Okay. Okay. Millie Brady and... She's been in some stuff. I forget. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts on The Man Who Fell to Earth. So uh, this movie came at sort of a critical point in Bowie's career. Because? He had just killed off Ziggy Stardust. Okay. And his trip to America was... Didn't go so well. No. He got detained right away in yeah. the airport because they're like, you're gay. 
mm-hmm. we're gonna arrest you, you. Smell it, like it, it was terrible it was awful and i think he let this movie role sort of consume him and he came up with this character called the thin white duke the thin white duke yeah and really took it to the fucking extreme yeah. his drug use kicked up and i mm. think he just fell a little too hard into this role but I really love the movie. Yeah. It really makes me sad to see how it ended and just knowing where David Bowie went after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked it. I would say recommend as well. I um, I like this movie. It's very of its time. And I think you kind of speak to that It's in terms of like a bookmark in his career. Yeah. Sean? What she said. Yes. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Oh, wait. Sorry. I want to plug one thing. Yes. There is a really good podcast called Off the Record, David Bowie. And it's this man who like chronicles start to finish his life. It's like 10 episodes, I believe. It's cool. Fucking great. That's awesome. Check it out. All right. That being said, it's time to head into intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some pop rocks. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop, with Travisito, the brew boss, and me, Chelsea, the regulator, where we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies all All morning morning long. (laughs) And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. Hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you think you can handle it. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And we're back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us during intermission. We just had to go pee in the yard real quick. and I didn't. No, you were so quick, we didn't even notice. No, I uh, just didn't do it. I didn't pee in the yard. when we come back from intermission, Sean, what do we like to do? Beer check-ins. Beer check-in. And you said you might have something that's kind of on theme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the first half, we were drinking uh, Ritual Pilsner by uh-huh. Incendiary Brewing up in Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. And this is also from Winston-Salem. It's uh, Radar Brewing Company, which we've had some of their stuff recently. This is called Cypher. This is their uh, Norwegian farmhouse ale. Okay. I don't know what makes it Norwegian. I think the yeast might be. From- so I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh, so basically the word cypher means code or encryption. Right. But it's also the term for a freestyle ring of people. So in hip hop world, if you are several aspiring rappers and you do a not a battle, not a back and forth, but 
you know, kind of like the the equivalent of a drum circle okay. for freestyling. That's called a cipher. Okay. Oh. Nicely done. The more you know. So support this in your sorry. All right. Now, while we enjoy this, it's time to get into the 2022 movie marathon, uh, which I pledge to continue and continue my check-ins. I might be a little bit slower moving forward without the pressure. Without, it's a marathon. Without being under the microscope of <laughs> yes. all of our listeners. Yes. And as of this recording, it is the 112th day of the year. I'm officially a week behind. I'm on 105. But what are you guys on? 129. 131. What? What? Hell yeah. And uh, Chelsea, what's your first check-in this week? Oh, God. It's this movie from 2021. It's called All My Friends Hate Me. Okay. Premise is this guy had the this group of college friends mm-hmm. and he's gone off to be a professional he like worked in refugee camps now granted this is british and he's come back and they want to throw a birthday party for him this is and the they, story of wyclef no and they it seems a little cringy at first like they talk about the old times and like partying and they sort of make him question like his memories mm-hmm. they have this new person in there and they sort of fuck with him a little bit to the point where his future fiance gets in on it and they're driving back in the car. He like ends up throwing a vase at this dude. Like it's fucking dramatic. Yeah. And they're driving in the car and he was like, well, cause he was going to propose and he he's threw like a vase in the car. No, no, no. At somebody in, in a house, but it was a very drive by vasing. Yeah. Anyways, she finds out that he was going to propose. So they're driving in the car after the aftermath of this fucking mess. Yes. And he's like, well, I guess you don't want to marry me. I don't know if you wanted to like continue to live together and date. And she just goes, no, mm. she's like stern faced driving and he's kind of sad and he starts crying. She cracks a smile and starts laughing because the, the whole time they're telling him like, God, can't you just like take a joke? And it really seems like they're fucking with him like crazy. And then they're just like, can't you take a joke? Can't you take a joke? She looks at him and says the same thing. And I'm so fucking confused as to, is this a commentary on how soft we become? Because this is not the way to tell that story. Because that was fucked. So it was a joke? Yes. The whole fucking thing and was a joke. she does still want to be with him? Yes. That's not a good way to go about it. No. The, and that's how the whole movie feels. It's so cringy. When you it's really so love over somebody, the top. gaslight them. I know. And that's what it feels like. But to the point where this man is like fearing for his life. And it really sort of does that. But then speaks to this whole thing of can people take a joke or not? Yeah. Which is a relevant conversation. I think they went about it the wrong way. Very good. Over to you, Sean. Your first check-in for this week. I'm checking in across 110th Street. Across 110th Street. From 1972. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is on the Safdie Brothers list of must-see New okay. York films. And you said that when I watched it, I did not give it a very favorable review. Two and a half, I think. Two and a half is okay. Yeah, this says Anthony Quinn. It's very gritty, neo-noir with very many borrowed black exploitation elements set in Harlem as police and mobsters race each other to find three thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music's by the great Bobby Womack. Bobby. And it is, uh, it's gritty. Gritty is the word. It's very much a film noir, neo-noir kind of movie. Um, I really liked it. Okay. How many stars did you give it? I don't give stars. Oh, okay. Uh, my first one is going to be number 103 for me. It's called Windfall. Windfall, and I believe this is on Netflix right now. It is. 
It's from 2022. It's directed by Charlie McDowell, who is the son of Mary Steenburgen and Malcolm McDowell in real okay. life. He also directed that movie with Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss called The One I Love. Uh, so I think he kind of falls into the mumblecore uh, genre. And it's a situation where a wealthy couple is held hostage at their vacation home by an intruder. The intruder is played by Jason Siegel. The wealthy tech tycoon is Meth Damon. What's his oh, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. And then the wife, the younger wife, is played by Lily Collins. Okay. Um, who is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, she's easy on the eyes. I had no idea. Um, but yeah, I liked it. It was uh, kind of a slow burn, um, but there's also some moments of tension. Did either of you guys watch this? No. Not yet. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd say watch it. Next up, Chelsea? Oh, I'm going to be brief on this one because Sean mm -hmm. talked about it. Like um, Captain Underpants, you're going to be brief. Yeah, but he wears tidy whities Those are um, briefs. Well, yeah, but people kind of separate that. Anyways, it's from 2021. It's called Drive My Car. About the Beatles song? No. Um, it, it is a Oscar-winning yeah. film uh, from Japan. Yes. Called Drive My Car. And it's how long? Like right at about three hours. I think three it's hours. two hours and 59 minutes. But does it feel like that? No. Okay. And can you give us, without spoilers, can you give us kind of a... Mm -mm, nothing that there's Sean too hasn't many, already said? There's too many things. It's, okay. It's beautiful. It's touching. I can't stop thinking about this film. I, one of the best movies I've seen in all time. Absolutely. Beautiful, touching, Japanese, exactly what I'm looking for in a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch it. It's phenomenal. Over to you, Sean. What do you got? Well, speaking of what you're looking for in girlfriends, this is not it. Mm. Um, I watched Little Miss Innocence from 1973-ish. Uh, it's also under a different name as well. This is the inspiration for the film Knock Knock that Eli Ross did mm -hmm. with uh, Keanu Reeves, mm -hmm. as well as another movie that came before Knock Knock. Um, what starts as a sex romp between an older man and two young hitchhiking women quickly takes a dark turn as it becomes obvious the ladies don't intend to leave his home. Nope. He got got. And uh, their goal is to sex him to death. Well, that's not exactly the premise of Knock Knock. Well, but... yeah, but you can see where some of the structures yeah, oh, are in place. Absolutely. There's some parallels. This is very much a, uh, it looked like a, like a 70s softcore porn. As a matter of fact, the uh, the blonde in the film went on to be in Flesh Gordon. Oh, nice. Oh, damn. And the, uh, the movie you referenced, Knock Knock, also stars um, Ana de Armas and... That's right. Lorenzo Izzo? Lorenza Izzo? Lauren Izzo? Something like that. Something like that. The, She's uh, married to Eli Roth. Unfortunately, the brunette in this, uh, she died like a year later Aww. after the film. Yeah, and she was knocking out pictures left and right in the softcore That's probably what killed kind of her. category. I have got number 104, but I believe it should probably count as like three check-ins because it's five and a half hours long. It's from the team that brought you In Search of Darkness. We're talking about In Search of Tomorrow. It is a documentary that explores nearly every aspect of 1980s sci-fi. And I'm proud that Cinema Chop Shop was a backer of that film. I got to watch it uh, in advance uh, because of 
our contributions to that. It was really good. And it also made me like start to make a list of old 80s movies I want to rewatch. We still have the list from In Search of Darkness yeah, to watch true. all the horror movies. Yeah, the database that you create. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. You got another one for us, Chelsea? I do, but I think, Sean, did you want to talk about this one with I'm me? I'm going to talk about it too, yeah. Okay. okay. So we recently watched The Batman. The Batman. The Batman. So it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Fair. I love what they did with Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. He is such a fucking badass. Jeffrey Wright playing that role. Oh, it was how I've always wanted this character to yeah. be. But Batman, he was too angsty. He was, he was like super emo Batman. A 13-year-old girl. Okay. <laughs> well, he just yes. was. I'm sorry. He, but he's here's He's painting his his uh nails black. He's got the dark eyeshadow underneath. Yeah. But here's what I here's where I think this movie could work. If you did it in two parts, like if the whole thing was filmed mm-hmm. and you release part two very shortly after this, or you turn it into some sort of mini series, because at the end, when he kind of comes into his own as the Batman, that's where I got excited and I went, okay. okay, you can be Batman. But it was like ten fucking minutes. It wasn't enough. What did you think about that scene in the rafters where he's like he injects himself with adrenaline or some shit well, and then just goes that's kind hard. of where I start to yeah. buy him as Batman. And then he really personifies the character. And I'm like, okay, I want to watch this a little more and see if you really can do this. Yeah. And then credits. Gotcha. Uh, so it's interesting you say you think it could be split into two films because they are already in pre-production on the sequel. I, I get that, but it yeah. needs to come out not, not that long okay. after. It needs to be a more recent release because like I'm going to lose the future two and three. Well, <laughs> I'm going to lose interest. I'm going to lose that feeling. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to remember him as the angsty whiny yes. sparkly vampire. Yeah. Well, yeah. My take on it as a police slash detective drama, it succeeds. Yes. That's great. As myth building comic book <clears throat> films go, it was very meh for me. Okay. Um, I think Dano Wright and Kravitz were all quite good. Pattinson seemed like a guy who was sleuthing as a hobby. Okay. Because he starts the film out and he says, I am vengeance, but I'm never shown why he's vengeance. I don't get it. It's never, there's no motive. There's no, there's no, there's no exposition about why. There is also that scene later where one of the thugs that the Riddler has on his tasks uh, says, says who am I? I'm yeah. vengeance. And he, he kind of does like does a, double, a double, he take, does a double yes. take. And I, I, there's a, I just did not get anything in terms of his character arc, which, I mean, yes, we all know the Batman story and we don't need to be retold the, the, the Martha, but and they didn't really, they didn't. And that to the, to their credit, that's great. But at the same time, you've got this vigilante who's, obviously touched in a special way because he's dressed in a cape and cap. Where on the bat did they touch you? And he, and he walks into the, into the cops, you know, and they're all like, who the fuck's this guy? For me, that the, the, there's something missing there, but as a detective story, damn, they hit it. They yeah. hit it on all marks. It, it felt like I was watching a crime drama and it was really cool. But uh, as a hero kind of thing, I was just like, like Chelsea said at the end, he demonstrated a little bit. Also, uh, um, um, the Riddler thing at the end where he calls upon the the incels mm-hmm. that essentially take up arms. I thought that was kind of neat, but at the same time, we've already seen that in the Watchmen TV series Fair. with the Rorschachs. Um, one of my biggest complaints about the movie, and I mentioned this before, was the prosthetics on Colin Farrell. 
make him look like Robert De Niro from The Untouchables playing I, Al Capone. Well, and that's how he played it. I didn't yes. care for him at all. Yeah, no. I, didn't, I didn't think he was the best choice for that role. And I mean, this story arc of Batman is a little bit of a deep dive unless you've like read all the comics. Mm-hmm. It's not a side of Batman we're used to. Right. They should have cut that shit out immediately because his relationship with Alfred is mm-hmm. sort of fucked. Yeah. He's not Bruce Wayne, at least how we know him. He doesn't give a shit about anything until the last fucking five minutes. What did you think of Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman? Oh, she was phenomenal. Okay. She was great. I think I've got one more. It's number 105 for me. It's called The Bubble. Uh, this is the newest Judd Apatow movie. It's a meta movie set during the pandemic where they're trying to make a dinosaur film in a bubble uh, in in London. And it's got some good stars in it. You've got uh, Keegan-Michael Key. You've got Pedro Pascal. You've got Leslie Mann. Uh, you've got his daughter, Iris Apatow, who, who's doing a pretty decent job. But it's not the best work from anybody involved. And... I also feel like that's kind of the point, though, of a meta movie set in a pandemic. Nobody could be doing their best work because you've got all of these extenuating factors. You should um, but listen. There's still to, a few laughs. You should listen to, um, I believe it's Smartless podcast. Oh, I've, I've been listening to Smartless. Did you have you heard the Judd? Yes. Okay, because yeah, I was going to say, it. he touches on this and yes. sort of says that same thing. I like that show. I can't, yeah. I can't listen to it as regularly as some of my subscriptions, but I do appreciate that show. Yeah. I love how mean they are to each other. Right? <laughs> so funny. Especially Sean Yes. And he just laughs. Yes. So that's going to wrap us up on the 2022 movie marathon for this week, right? Bring it into the second part of our feature segment, The Recast Continued. Part two. The sequel. Second stage in their career. And the movie we're going to be talking about is from 1992. It's directed by Mick Jackson. It's got a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that about appropriate? Probably a little too high. Not low enough for me. (laughs) We're talking about The Bodyguard. And uh, before we get into the description, I will kind of preface this with saying there is a Bodyguard remake in the works right now, and there's a Broadway play called Bodyguard. Best-selling pop diva Rachel Marin, played by Whitney Houston, rest in peace, has a stalker whose obsession has risen to the level of disturbing threats. At the urging of her manager, Gary Kemp, Rachel hires former Secret Service agent Frank Farmer, played by Kevin Costner, as her bodyguard. Initially resented and treated with disdain for his hard-nosed security procedures, Farmer soon becomes an integral part of Rachel's inner circle. They hook up at one point, and then like the the next Mm -hmm. morning he's like, oh man, shouldn't have done that. (laughs) That totally is a a, uh, conflict of interest as a bodyguard. Unprofessional. As they spend more time together, client and protector become closer still. All right. Give it to me straight. Oh God, this movie was dreadful. The first thing you told me upon rewatching it was that she's nominated for a Best Actress Oscar. Yeah, I think that's... And yet her acting in the movie... Like, as you said, it's irony. It's so thick with irony. Her acting is dreadful. Yeah. 
There's a reason she did not go on to do many more things on film. And Kevin Costner's pretty wooden. I, I think this. I think Kevin Costner was phoning this in. And oh yeah, I remember when I was in college at the time, and this was a very popular movie, and I avoided it at all costs because I could smell the shit from a mile away. Right. And yeah, it sucks. It did teach children their vowels, though. <laughs> and I, I, I will always love you and sometimes why. Yeah. So for me, like the the movie, we fuck my mom and her friends would watch it all the time. But the soundtrack was like everything. I can remember like being in my house in the basement, like playing with my toys, like fucking belting this out. Like mm-hmm. I had pipes like yeah. her. Love the soundtrack. Pop quiz hotshot who wrote the song. Dolly Parton. And performed it originally. Yeah. Of course. That's why she's the hot shot. Mm-hmm. All right. The roles that we're going to recast are Rachel Marin, played by Whitney Houston, uh, mother of Mark Marin. What the fuck? <laughs> and uh, then we've got Frank Farmer, played by Kevin Costner, 33 at the time. Oh, I should mention Whitney Houston was 29. Then we've got uh, Bill Devaney, played by Bill Cobbs, who was 58 at the time. Great. African-American character actor, Bill Cobbs. And he's the one who brings Frank Farmer on because he knows about the threats and she's kind of oblivious to them. And then we've got her uh, kind of manipulative uh, publicist named Cy Spector, played by Gary Kemp. And the movie really wants you to think that he's the mastermind behind all of the the threats and the hitmen and everything. Um, But it doesn't really tie that tie that into a bow for us i think the movie gives up on itself by the end of it and we just kind of accept things at face value because yeah i I think it would have been a much cooler ending had this guy been pulling the strings all along Mm -hmm. for publicity purposes right i could see that working today all right so that being said let's get into the roles we're recasting chelsea who is your pick for rachel Marin? so I guess in my mind, just sort of thinking about my recast, I think I have a parody in mind. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I can dig it. So my actress, you probably know her um, when she was younger from Aquila and the Bee. She was in Medea's Family Reunion, Mm -hmm. but she is feisty. She is funny. She is quick. I went with Kiki Palmer. Yeah. Kiki Palmer's great. She was just in that movie, Alice. Yes. I talked about last week. That's a good pick. Over to you, Sean. What do you got? Uh, my actress, I'm sorry, my singer mm-hmm. um, has been in Sing 2, and I would assume Sing 1. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Scooby-Doo and Guess Who? If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. And uh, is in post-production with a film called National Anthem, I went with Halsey. Ah, oh, yeah, Halsey. And an anthem is a song. My pick is 33 now. She is a actress slash singer. Her mother is an actress. Her father is a singer. So obviously she's going to be both. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the aforementioned Catwoman, Catwoman in The Batman. Her name is Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz is going to be my pick for this. But in the remake, they've got, oh, Tessa Thompson. They've got, in the actual pre-production remake, they've got Tessa Thompson, and guess who the bodyguard is? Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Yes, it is. Are you fucking kidding me? Did you you see that somewhere and subliminally remember it? No, that is low-hanging fruit, and shame on them. This this spells bad things for this remake. Yeah. 
All right. Speaking of bad things, we've got former Secret Service agent Frank Farmer, played by Kevin Costner. He's 33 at the time. He doesn't know to not shit where he eats. And who was your pick for this, Chelsea? So I guess the the parody thing sort of started with this recast because I was like, I just wish he would say something like funny and not be so monotone. I went with Channing Tatum. Okay. <laughs> Who can sort of be wooden, but just yeah. like throws out those shitty one-liners. Did you guys watch Dog? No, I watched yet. Dog. It's actually all right. Um, Sean, who's your Frank Farmer? Uh, my singer has been in several films. Uh, oh, wait, the, the bodyguard is also a singer? Yes, everybody's a singer. Okay. Remember my theme. <laughs> he was in uh, Need for Speed. Yep. He was in Don't Look Up. Mm-hmm. He was in Bill and Ted Face the Music. Hmm. And most recently, we loved him in the film X out with Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi! Yay! I saw him at Bonnaroo years back, back to back with B.O.B. I think I mentioned that last week. Anyway, my pick for Frank Farmer, the former Secret Service agent who is now a bodyguard to the rich and famous, is 41 now. He was in... Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Okay. He was in John Carter from Mars and True Detective Season 2. His name is Taylor Kitsch. Ah, okay. Taylor Kitsch is going to be my Frank Farmer. Dig it. Next up, we've got the role of Manager Bill, played by Bill. Bill Delvaney, or Devaney, played by Bill Cobbs. He was 58 at the time. Chelsea, who's your pick? So I didn't make this role parody. This is the person that's going to like call them on their shit and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I went with Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Aforementioned from Boys in the Hood. Nice. Larry Fishburne. He's going to take the blue pill or the red. Right. Nice. Um, I went with a 58-year-old singer, and it's actually, he's going to be 58 very soon at the end mm-hmm. of May. It's hard to believe that he's 58. Is it? Because he's goddamn beautiful. Um, he was in uh-huh. Lee Daniels' The Butler. Mm-hmm. He was in Precious. Yep. Yep. He was in The Hunger Games. God, he's so hot. I went with Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz, father of Zoe Kravitz. Yep. Oh, I love him. All right. Well, my actor's 57 now. Uh, he was in the Oceans movies. Okay. He was in Hotel Rwanda. He was in the Avengers mm. franchise. His name is Don Cheadle. That's a good one, nice. too. Don Cheadle is my pick for manager Bill Devonay. I like it. And he's got that salt and pepper going on now, too. I love it. We got one more, right? Mm-hmm. That is publicist Cy Spectre. I wonder if they were were uh, making a reference to Phil Spector. Maybe with that, I think with that so. name. I think that was probably so. evident. Yeah, played by Gary Kemp, who was a actual British musician prior to becoming an actor. So we've got a a, a duo of musicians turned actors in this film. And Chelsea, who was your pick for Cy Spector? So I chose this actor just based on one character that I recently saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with Paul Dano, but as the Riddler. Oh, wow. Right? That's interesting. I thought he did a good job. It was a very understated Riddler. It was. All right. Sean, who's your pick for Cy Spectre? I'm with a 35-year-old musician. He has been in several films, uh, most known for the Fast and the Furious, Mm -hmm. Tokyo Drift, blah, blah franchise. Mm -hmm. 
He was in Scary Movie 5. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in CSI. Would you say he's off his rocker? I don't know. He was in CSI Cyber. Is he a basket case? He was in Like Mike. Uh-huh. I'm with Lil Bow Wow. Oh, I thought you were going ludicrous. Nope. Lil Bow Wow. I was, oh my I was God. definitely making it's insanity It's just Bow Wow now. Yeah, it's just Bow Wow. It's not he Lil grown, Bow Wow he's grown or out of it. Young Jeezy. No, no Young Jeezy. No Lil Bow Wow. They're grown-ass men. All right. Well, I leaned into the British aspect of this character, and I went with an actor who's 39 now. He was in um, Doctor Who. Doctor Who? <laughs> His name's Matt Smith. He's, I like it. He's been doing a lot of uh, a lot of work I believe lately. He, he played... played a wise old owl in Doctor Who. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. All right. So, final thoughts. What a piece of trash. On right. The body but listen guard. to the soundtrack. Like it's so good. Yeah, the soundtrack is pretty awesome. And it is kind of a shame that most people know this song, "I Will Always Love You," from Whitney <clears throat> Houston. Uh, even though it was originally well, performed by Dolly, but she does bring a new level to the song. Like she, she can does. Hit, she can hit some notes that Dolly can't. But hit. here's the thing: but not I for think, long. I think because Dolly has become this sort of national treasure, this hero, this awesome mm-hmm. lady. I think it's more common knowledge than it was when we were growing up. I think that behind closed doors, Dolly Parton looks at a photograph of Whitney Houston and says, "Who's singing it now, bitch?" Ouch. I don't think she does. It's very nice things to say about her singing that song. All right. So we do have a bonus segment tonight, which is going to be a little bit different. It's not necessarily a battle royale. It's more of a who wore it best. And by that, I mean, who oh made who made the jump okay. from musician to film star best? I like it. Would you say Cher, Madonna, or Barbara. Wow. Chelsea, you go first. Oh. It's tough, right? Well, let's see. Did, did Cher win an Oscar for Moonstruck? I, th- I, think, I think she, she did. Did. Yeah. did Madonna win anything for Evita? No. 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 Best song, maybe. But did, And Barbara, has she won an Oscar? I feel like she must have. I, I want to say she has. I'm going to go with Cher because she's immortal. And ageless. <laughs> I, like, I want to go with Cher too, but mm-hmm. it's for a movie that people don't really like. But Mask? I, no. I love it more than anything. What is it? Mermaids. Oh, Mermaids is the I shit. I didn't love Mermaids. Yeah. I, I was kind of looking at it. I think that Barbara Streisand has more feature films. But I she think sings. that Madonna has more successful feature films. Yeah. And I think that Cher kind of always plays herself. Oh, that's a good point. Um, it's tough. I'm just going to go with Madonna. Okay. Because I'm true blue. Baby, I love you. Hey, man, express yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> All oh. right. And did you make a pick, Chelsea? Yeah, she wanted yeah. to. She said share. Share. Mermaids. You said share. Yeah, I went with Madonna. Share, yeah. Sorry, Babs, you're out. Well, she does like musicals as movies. Have you seen? Not the same have thing. you seen Meet the Parents? Yeah. Have you seen Meet the Fockers? But that's the only one, really. Have you seen her sheep? Barbara. Oh, <laughs> that was good. All right. We are going to go ahead. And I want to thank you, Chelsea, being the regulator, oh. all of your contributions. Anything you want to plug? Uh, you, my dude. Aww. You're the best. And over to you, Sean, my co-host and co-producer. 
Anything you would like to plug? Uh, it's Earth Day, the date of this recording. I'm going to plug Google because their Google pictures today have been showing aged before after photos of various geological uh, geo geography photos okay. of uh, what climate change done to oh. us. And it's undeniable, yet no. people continue to deny it. Yeah, that's true. So, motherfuckers, why don't y'all go ahead and boycott Google? You I don't no longer have Because of Google, you no longer have plausible deniability about climate yeah, change. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, redneck. Go ahead. Boycott Google. Let me see you try it. All right. And I also want to thank you, the chop shoppers out there. We've had, as we say, a good run. And please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and all of your podcatcher apps. We are Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. We are at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter, Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook. We are Cinema Chop Shop at gmail.com. If you feel the need to email Sean, uh, we are at Cinema Chop Shop on Instagram and untapped that's u-n-t-a-p-p-d it's kind of like a social network for beer where all of the beers get checked in by chelsea all the time on untapped and then finally cinema chop shop podcast on youtube and we've been getting a, a few hits on there right yeah it's yeah. really weird which episodes get traction it does not make any sense i love it those russian bots are great <laughs> and finally farewell to you the listeners please remember free ukraine fuck putin and watch chop retrofit. Chelsea's crying. I'm booty hoo. <laughs> Do peanut butter falcons. <laughs> Catman will return. <laughs> and Smokey Joe. <laughs> cute, cute oh characters. God.